Scott here from Social Energy Presents, and welcome to this podcast short from our signature show, Your Backstage Pass, featuring a special vignette from another great episode. Okay, so now, where's where's the bridge happen between Saturday Night Live and all the things, and you were doing skits on Saturday Night Live and stuff, you became much more than just a musician on that show, you became part of the troupe. By the fifth season, I was what they called a, 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 a featured player, which is like a supporting actor. You get to be, you know, in a certain number of episodes. And I don't know, I I certainly wanted to get on camera. And um, I must give it up to the guys in, in, and gals in Godspell mm-hmm. back in Toronto in 1972. My first experience of a group of people that were so funny that I said to myself, I want to be more like them. Yeah. They seem to be having more fun than I am. Yeah, just to And so I don't know, they just, that influence, you know, certainly did just rub off on me. Well, like, and you touched on it, the Godspell thing basically spawned Saturday Night Live and SCTV. And SCTV, I know. Like, unbelievable. I think, what, I think what a, so too. What caught comedic geniuses. And this guy, um, Stephen Schwartz, who, who who now, well, I say again, before the quarantine, Wicked was is his show, maybe oh, the longest running show on Broadway now, I think. Is but that, at the time, oh, oh wow, him, yeah. But at the time, he was twenty four, or or five, and he came up to Toronto to do those final auditions and just picked all these incredible people and hired me. I was there to accompany a couple of uh, people who were auditioning. And he said, yeah, I like that, you know, let me talk to that piano player. And by the end of the day, he had hired me for the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, you know, how well, blessing. That's all I can say, a blessing. And, and, and Gilda just seemed like everybody's sweetheart. Everybody, yeah. nobody has a bad thing to say about Gilda Radner. That's right. And nor did she ever do any, a single thing that yeah. was anything but sterling and beautiful. She was a lovely yeah. friend. Yeah, and, and a loyal friend to the end. Did you and, did you get did you get to know Gene Wilder well? I imagine you must have. No, because um, when she started going with Gene, uh, he sort of um, and maybe for her own good, you know, kind of kind of took her out of the old uh, scene, uh, which uh, may not have been doing her. You know, she was drinking tab and too many tabs and sometimes pouring vodka in and stuff. And, <laughs> and okay. uh, a lot of us didn't see her for a while. Okay. Uh, and I, again, I think, you know, yeah. was what she needed at the time. Yeah. Well, look what happened to Belushi, you know, that was, I know it was, it was pretty tragic what was going on. Luckily, I don't think Aykroyd had, had the same sort of internal like what a, a pendant or whatever you call it to, to move in that direction. Belushi was all in all the time. You could just tell. Well, he sure was. And that's, you know, it's such a sad ending and too early, but man, those, you know, the, the stars are, uh, are certainly all in. We, we learned that and hopefully they learn to take care of themselves too. Well, that brings me to the blues brothers. Now in the blues brothers, you you guys started that on Saturday Night Live as a skit, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say they got on. First of all, they started, you know, they were both, they had both been in bands in high school. Belushi, I think, is a drummer. 
uh, where he grew up outside of uh, Chicago and, and Akrod playing the blues harp um, in uh, uh, Hal, Quebec or wherever it was exactly he's from. I can't quite remember, but the Downchild Blues Band being a huge influence on him. Okay. And I think he was always kind of maybe had this idea that he and John, John could sing pretty well and I can play this harp and maybe, you know, things developed. Hey, we could put on, um, you know, shades and, and hats and be like the old junkies that uh, Belushi heard about back in Chicago who tried to look so straight, you know, they were wearing straight hats and suits, but they were so obvious they were giving themselves away. Yeah. And that was part of it. And they started doing this to warm up the audience on SNL, like which was going to go on the air at 1130. So at 11.15, you know, the announcer, hey, how's everybody feel, you know? feel like some blues here's you know and introduce them and they would just come just for the studio audience come out and do a few songs wow and then they did it on tv they figured out well if we dress up like the running gag at the time which was people dressing as bees bumblebees. yeah that's right and, because they, they i remember that and, i was just gonna bring that up I, I thought i remember them doing some music like that dressed as and bees. they did i'm a king bee baby you know i think that was right his idea dressed as bees and that's how they got on the camera and like that, they got uh, signed to Atlantic Records. Wow. And, uh, and away they went. And they came, hired me uh, to put the band together for them. And that first album was great. It, it was, was unstoppable. Oh. The guys were hot as hell, of course, from Saturday Night Live. And talented as, as all heck. Oh. And like, El like we were saying about Elton and his band, just that that, you know, peak time when they're giving their all and they any everybody wanted to play for them we could have had absolutely every oh, any oh yeah donald duck dunn and uh, oh god who, who else was in that band was and, and steve cropper of steve course cropper, and, of course yeah um, and matt guitar murphy a wonderful uh, you know blue, chicago style blues player but who had played with a, the greats it was such a renaissance for them too of course they'd want to be part of it i didn't realize it at the time yeah, but yeah. Yes, but yes, it did. It did yeah. kind of bring them back. A renaissance for them. And that yeah. was, yeah, that, that album, like, and you know what, uh, Belushi, uh, pardon me, Dan Aykroyd's Rubber Biscuit always blew my mind that, I don't know how he did that phonetic sound, but man, was that incredible. <laughs> He showed off, you know, finding that song, being aware of it, being able to do it. Well, I can't do it. I can't, can't even do it at half, at, at half the speed. A friend of mine, a country artist. A friend of mine is a country artist up here. He does it really, really well. He he nails oh. it. He actually studied it phonetically. It's almost. He says I had to study it like it was another language. Well, I hope that we were right about. We were doing it phonetically too, Danny, yeah. and you know, and I was kind of around too. Is and uh, we some of the phrases we feel started with the syllable Z U L Zul Zul Zul. <laughs> so ask, ask your friend if, there, if, if, if there's any Zools. Hey, thanks for joining us. 
Check out our many other podcasts featuring vignettes and full episodes from a growing list of recording artists and other music insiders. And please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so we can bring you more great content from this and many other shows we're now producing. Available both on podcast and video on demand. <laughs>